loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. I want to begin today by talking about a new partnership between Good Grief Radio and BetterHelp. I mentioned this last week, and I want to mention it again this week. Um, anyone who listens to the show knows that I'm a, I'm a therapist, and that, therefore, uh, I just see therapy as one of the very most powerful tools, uh, assuming that someone has some grief experience, to deal with uh, grief and any life changes, any challenges that we need to face. BetterHelp is an online platform. They're committed to making professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient, and also adding some services like being able to chat with your therapist, being able to check in, and a very consistent uh, uh, interaction with a therapist. Uh, The therapists are very experienced. It's a user-friendly matching tool that um, really walks you through Uh, getting a therapist who is going to be the best fit for you, both in terms of your issues and in terms of things like uh, maybe you want a a therapist of color, maybe you want a LGBTQIA therapist, and they will match all of that. So I really recommend it, and uh, you can get a discount, too, by using my sponsorship link. It's betterhelp.com slash good grief betterhelp.com slash good grief and i really encourage you to check it out today i'm welcoming fran solomon an entrepreneur visionary developer and executor fran is the founder of heal grief an all-encompassing virtual platform speaking of virtual serving the bereaved after years in the private sector fran's personal grief journey led her into the field of bereavement care. She's a trained group facilitator and served for almost a decade as a board of director and past chair for Our House Grief Support Center, where her private sector experience was instrumental in the turnaround and development of management and policy. During her tenure, Fran saw a need for bereaved family and friends to connect globally without geographical boundaries. And in this time, we're all getting experience with that. This need inspired her vision for Heal Grief, a social support network serving users from around the globe. It's the home to Let's Talk Death, The Loss Project, Actively Moving Forward, and the AMF app, which provides communities for young adults and those over 30 to connect, be heard, and feel understood with like-minded individuals who understand the journey of grief. Welcome, Fran. Thank you so much, Cheryl. And I want to congratulate you on your new partnership. That's wonderful. I'm excited about it. I went and, and, um, you know, put myself through the process myself because I'm very careful about sponsorships. Uh, I I want to be recommending things, if I do so, that I can um, fully support. And I found it really accessible. And then when um, uh, George Floyd was murdered, 
uh, I'm on their mailing list, of course, and got a um, a letter as we got from so many <laughs> platforms and and newsletters. But I liked how specific they were about what they planned to do in terms of they already had about 25% therapists of color, but they're investing money in supporting educational resources for uh, therapists of color, which um, is so badly needed in this field. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about the partnership for sure. Wonderful. I hope we'll be a resource to them. And vice versa, too. Yeah. So, on to you, though, <laughs> which is the main point of this hour. Um, your organization does many things. And, of course, full disclosure, I was on your podcast recently, which I found very um, lively and, and interesting and fun. So, thanks for that. And I'm, I'm happy for people to get to hear more about what you do. But I want to start at the beginning because... Very few people come to this work, and it, it, as I mentioned in your bio, you didn't. Uh, we don't come to this work because we have no experience ourselves of grief. Um, most people who end up working in this field have our own stories to tell. So let's start with how you were drawn to working in this field in the first place. So, um, let's see if I can make that a short story and not a long one. Um, My dad died in 98, and at the time, I had my own business, and I considered myself fairly successful and intelligent. I was in my my late 30s, and um, I did what I thought we were supposed to do with grief. When he died, we had the funeral, and then I threw myself back into work and tucked my grief into this pretty little box with a pretty little bow on it and just moved it onto a shelf and moved forward. Um, Fast forward in 2000, my daughter was born and that was a trigger for me. The one thing my father wanted more than anything in the world was to see a granddaughter. And I didn't understand it at the time but I was really depressed. I didn't understand that I was beginning my grief journey after having lost my father several years before. Mm. Um, Coincidentally, at the time, I was supporting a girlfriend who was volunteering at a local grief support center. You mentioned it in, in my bio, Our House Grief Support Center. And through my supporting her, I actually learned of this journey I embarked on. And I thought to myself, my goodness, if this is happening to me, I can't imagine how many others this is happening to. And with no identity to it, and and I'm really grateful that that I had this identity to it because my relationship with my daughter could have been very different. And I suspect, and I've heard from so many people that have pushed their grief down until one day a life trigger brings it up with no connection to it being an actual grief experience, um, that I, my, my relationship could have been very tumultuous with her because I was so saddened. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't saddened by her birth. I mean, her birth was joy. I was saddened by this thing called grief um, because my dad wasn't here. 
And that was really the beginning of my journey into the world of bereavement. And I became a uh, trained facilitator. I worked with high school students in underserved communities. And then I ended up taking my, um, my background and putting it on to my um, efforts on the board. And, and there you go. While I had my tenure there, people were calling me from my past lives saying, Fran, so-and-so died. What do we say? The kids are having a problem. What do we do? And at the time, it was amazing, Cheryl, how back then resources didn't exist. And, and were was, much harder to find, too. Yes. And the that, ones that did exist were so hard to find. Absolutely. Uh, and that was really now. the inspiration behind Heal Grief. It started out to be a database of resources um, for individuals seeking support. And it just became so much more as, as, as it grew. What, what stands out, a few things stand out. Um, first of all, uh, I've talked with obviously hundreds of people on this show about how they came to do what they did. Uh, and it's actually a little rare for people to be able to completely stuff their grief that way, the way you're, you know, box it up and tie a bow. And so uh, you must have had a pretty strong personality to start with. You know, you thought that's what what worked, what was the thing to do, right? And you, yeah. it sounds as if you were pretty successful at it until something broke through. Um, I don't know if you want to call it successful. Um, <laughs> well, and, and if yeah. you, ask my you husband, thought you were anyway. <laughs> and, if, and if you ask my husband, yes, I do have a very strong personality. We often butt heads. Um, but, but I just, again, that was, that was my experience throughout, you know, my years of growing up that, that you just, you, you move on. You just, you don't take it with you. You just move on. You leave it behind. And I, I, I find that, you know, because I deep dive into ideas like that, uh, even the ones I don't subscribe to, I really, I really try on because people come from all different places, right? But the idea that we would really love someone and fear losing them our whole lives, and then they do die, and we just are able to Go on ahead, you know. It it does seem rather comical to me when I when I think about the the mixed message we get there. Well, fast forward. Clearly, I did not leave it behind. I walked into a brick wall, and um, we've heard of so many people that just you know think that's what they're supposed to do with their grief, and they walk into this brick wall. You know, it's the old cliche. They went away. They're in a better place. Well, they're really not. Um, but Not for us, anyway. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and and it, it was just my particular upbringing and experiences that you just go on with life. And, and clearly, um, as I myself has, have experienced and, and many people experience, if you don't allow yourself to embrace a death loss, you really don't move on. There will be a brick wall. It's somewhere in your future. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that stood out was just uh, that we, 
when when you become uh, awake, I guess, to grief in your life and the way in which that's lifelong, uh, it's so, so common to then begin to apply your unique talents to that subject, to want to give something. And you had some mighty uh, business skills and marketing skills, and it so shows in all of the things you've created that you you. took those skills you already had and threw them into um, helping people around grief. Uh, And I assume that was probably a pretty deliberate choice to take what you already had and add to it and go from there. Yeah, I, I was I, I was so moved by my own journey um, and felt such a calling to really offer the the support and resources to others that that need the added assistance through their journey, the added help, or even not even help, just just the companionship of knowing that they're not alone in their journey, that people understand that, um, yeah, I did. I went, I dove right in. I, this is a business that fortunately touches a lot of lives in a lot of positive ways. Let's talk just for a little while longer, though, about your grief itself, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that the moment you realized you needed to grieve more, you know, that it wasn't all tied up and finished, uh, I'm pretty sure that wasn't the exact same moment that you started creating all these platforms and, and creating this business that now is so thriving. Um, what is it that helped you personally to begin to uh, look at grief differently? You know, I can certainly name those things for myself, what helped me to accept that I was going to feel loss uh, and gratitude both forever, right? That it was just now a part of who I was. What helped you with that? So it was interesting. Um, In the years between my uh, father's death and my daughter being born, I found myself being more emotional, um, watching TV when someone would die on TV, or if I would hear of somebody's death, a friend of somebody's parent or whatever. And I found myself more emotional than ever. And again, never making the association Mm. of how they're feeling with how I was supposed to be feeling and wouldn't allow myself to feel. So there was a clear disconnect between myself and grief. But yet my emotions were clearly there underlying. And again, I bring it back to um, the, the, main, the, the real trigger of my daughter's birth and the fortunate um, opportunity I had in understanding that I was really at that point beginning my grief journey. Um, It's interesting though, isn't it? Because in the meantime, uh, you know, I did that quite consciously because I lived with someone who was dying for 10 years and we went to grief workshops and we explored all that. And um, 
she would realize when my my grief needed an outlet and she'd say, uh, time to watch Terms of Endearment, you know, she would actually <laughs> direct me towards something she knew would help me open up the feelings. Mm. Um, so it occurs to me that you were doing that unconsciously. Yes. Um, and that your, di- your grief did have an outlet, but not direct where you knew it was about that. I had no clue. <laughs> you just thought it was sort of a weird phenomenon? <laughs> I was clueless and really thought my grief was in that box with that pretty little bow on it. Isn't that fascinating? And I think that's a good message for people to hear that, you know, you and I can look at that and say, oh, yeah, you were more emotional because you had had a loss. And so that touched you. But you yourself were too close to it to see that that's what was happening. Completely. Completely. It was everything else. It couldn't have been my grief because it was on that shelf. <laughs> that was over with. <laughs> I. It makes me so sad to think about that for for anyone, right? That um, Because it closes up the whole relationship, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, if, I, if I didn't have access to the fact that occasionally uh, grief is still as, as, um, as vivid as it was the moment my wife died, uh, if that wasn't okay with me, I would have to close her out of my mind. Yeah, and I don't know how I would do that, but I would, I would try. Yeah, I have to tell you, opening myself up to the fact that my grief was not in that box really opened my heart to the memories and the love that I have for my father because I had to really put those in the box as well so that I wouldn't feel or consciously feel. So when that was all unraveled, um, it really, it, it just, yes, it was an emotional journey, and yes, it sometimes still is, but it was such a gift to have that unravel because mm. he's so, he's so I'm, I feel so much more connected to him now. Um, I talk more about him now. He's part of our family's life, um, whereas that wouldn't have happened. My, my daughter, 18 years later, knows all about her grandfather. They have a relationship, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that wouldn't be possible if you just were never talking about him. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. So um, it's almost time for our first break, but when we get back, you know, for me, of course, people have lots of objections to social media in many ways, um, and for me there is a a very big upside in terms of what you and I are talking about, which is that people share their losses. Uh, Many of my friends will post when it's the the anniversary of their uh, loved one's death or their Mm -hmm. loved one's birthday. uh, And I'd really like to talk with you, given that you do a platform online and and really focus on that, that, virtual space, um, maybe some of what you think about um, the virtual world and grief, because you might have things to say about that that I wouldn't think sure. of. Sure, We'll come back to that in a few minutes. And listeners, you can find links to my website and social media and a link to BetterHelp and uh, a place to sign up on my email list at the Good Grief page 
at Voice of America. And to, you can. there's also a link to the novel I wrote, uh, An Ocean Between Them, if you're interested in, in reading that. And to find Fran Solomon and her work, go to, go to healgrief.org. Be back soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Fran Solomon, who's the founder of Heal Grief and the several programs, which we'll get into talking about uh, very soon, that, that uh, reside on that, on that website and platform. And before the break, uh, Fran, I, I brought up that I really wanted your perspective on grief and the social media world. Um, you know, many people object to aspects like um, people getting lost in their phones and, you know, we're not really relating anymore. But as someone who works in the grief space, I feel as if social media has maybe opened up the conversation about grief. It's hard for me to tell. Is that just happening elsewhere and showing up on social media or did social media actually um, support a more open sharing of grief, but I'm really curious what you think about that. So, um, wow, that's a loaded question, um, especially <laughs> being I'm in the virtual world. So there was a lot of controversy way back when about individuals using Facebook to um, talk about a death, uh, a death loss, and to um, continue feeds about a person's death. And 
Whether, whether you agree with that or you don't agree with that, we saw the digital world as something that was here to stay. So what we did here at Heal Grief was we provided a platform so people didn't have to use their Facebook and, and social venues that they were using at the time, where someone could actually come to the site and create a celebration of someone's life and share it amongst family and friends. And there's another thing that I, I just wanna, that's very relevant that I wanna point out. You know, communities used to be geographically within boundaries. Mm, yes. That's changed drastically. We are now, our communities no longer have a geographical boundary. Um, siblings can live in different parts of the world, different parts of the country. So to connect with someone on such a deep level over such a deep loss, how do you do that when geography is a challenge? So I believe that that's where social media has helped. And that's what we try to do on our platform give people a place a, of community where they could come celebrate regardless of geography, um, create a memorial, have discussion threads on the memorial for people to put notes and remembrances, to be able to light virtual candles for their person. Um, and, and sometimes we have people every year going out to their community of family and friends with a link saying, remember my mother today. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. we'll start getting comments onto a particular memorial. So I hope I've answered your question in that I think it, I, I definitely believe it's here to stay. Um, we've done a lot of advancements in technology for communities to come together and be together to grieve and share their stories. But, um, it's it, the digital world and grief in the digital space. It's here to stay. It's now how do you do it in a very thoughtful and meaningful way? And I guess I'd say that that um, that the things that people can create on your website are, uh, you know, a bit of a deeper dive. It's not just a picture and this is the day, but um, a way to really create uh, a shared space around a person that honors them a little more fully. Yes. Would you say and so? Absolutely. And I, and I do think it's important to say, you know, we, we have other um, sites uh, in, the, in the field that, that create memorials. The significant difference between ours, is, ours and theirs is we are not a profit center. We do not sell flowers. Um, we do not um, ask for uh, a fee for a memorial, a memorial to be placed or to remain on our website. We are truly the place to celebrate someone's life and, and keep their memory alive in a virtual way. I think that is an important distinction from some of the other memorial sites for sure uh that that i've run across of course in this in this many years i've been doing this i do run across uh people doing that that type of work but i want to get into now um uh, thank you for that that kind of illuminates 
the the space in which you intersect with uh, social media, but also are very different. Um, and I think that's helpful. Let's talk a bit about all the things that are uh, that all the programs, because many people they choose one program and they kind of focus on that, right? But you have initiated several programs, and I I'd like to just go into. Um, you know, what they are and what drew you to, to creating these particular things that you, that you've created, um, because they're not all, as, as I understand it, directly related to the, to the type of grief you yourself had. There's, there's a larger mission now than that. Correct. So, so first off, heal grief, um, as the, nonprofit is what we consider to be a social support network that's there when everyone else goes away and the real grieving begins. Um, I I think what qualifies um, the programs we take on is, you know, everything we do is inspired by our core belief that no one should ever grieve alone. So does this program fit into supporting individuals through their journey with grief mm-hmm. and how does that um, and, and how is that support compatible with what we do? Um, we are not a bricks and mortar. We do not provide one-on-one counseling. We leave those to the professional therapists such as yourself. Um, we provide the virtual opportunity and information. So um, we have sections of our website explore grief where people can come on and really understand begin to understand grief and death specific losses for example a child grieving over the death of a parent is a very different type of grief with very different um, results um, and feelings than a um, a parent or 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 a, a person grieving over the death of a spouse. So, you know, what are, what are the differences and how, how might they manifest? We understand that grief is a deep loss and we understand the symptoms of grief, but how do they relate to the loss of our person? Then we have, um, it, because Heal Grief started out as a database, resources that I believe are second to none, no matter where you are in the country, um, will have a resource for you. Um, And then recently we started a Let's Talk Death series. Um, They're podcasts um, with videos and our Let's Talk Death really was created to um, take the taboo out of the topic surrounding death, dying and grief. Um, They're conversations to inform and inspire. So um, they're about 15, 20-minute conversations, and thank you for having been a guest for one of them. It was pleasure, absolutely. <laughs> and we really, we, you know, we, we look for real stories and what led people to their work. Um, so that was another, it, again, it fell into the, the, the mission of sharing with our users that they're not alone in their journey. Um, and I know you have some young adult programs that seem specifically designed to uh, meet 
the way that people in that age group tend to interact. Would that yeah, be accurate so, to say? Yeah. So actively moving forward, um, if I can just briefly give a little history, because I think this is going to be very relevant to your question about the digital world. So actively moving forward was a program um, that we took over about three years ago. And its initial intent was um, a college-based peer-to-peer support program for young adults, college students that were grieving. Um, Fast forward, there's a big story to um, why we're now including all young adults as opposed to just college students. We certainly wanted to serve everybody and not just the few. Um, But we created, we, we, we had to take a deep dive into the program because we realized that young adults of 10 years ago grew up with human connectivity and the digital world became familiar to them when they were college age. Today's college age young adult grew up in the digital world. So for us to stay relevant in supporting them, we had to create a digital space for the way they communicate. And they, they wanted it digitally 24-7 and at <laughs> their fingertips. Absolutely. I, I, I'm laughing over here because uh, I, I still remember the moment when my youngest child, I have a almost 40-year-old down to 27. Mm. And so my, my children um, represent that shift you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their life experiences. And I remember the moment with the youngest one when I realized that when we went out to dinner, there were people at the table I couldn't see. That she, <laughs> if she brought her phone, if I didn't demand that mm-hmm. she leave it home or whatever, that we were going to be joined by people with whom she was in conversation, but they weren't at the table. Yeah. And... um you know, making the shift for me to seeing that as part of her social environment, she wasn't, she wasn't necessarily blocking me out as much as bringing other people in. Uh, it was quite a revelation at the time. But of course, we're all in that world right this minute in terms of, of um, it's a huge shift. COVID, you know, COVID issues. Uh, I, I know somebody said to me recently. You know, my parents knew nothing about Zoom, but within two weeks of of uh, their shelter in, pl- in place, they had it down pat because they wanted to see their kids and grandkids. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> absolutely. And it's funny, my daughter at 18, when I email, she looks at me like, oh, so old, mom, <laughs> because they're all texting now um, and they all have apps. So, so anyway, for us to stay relevant with, with young adults, um, we really had to create a shift. And prior to COVID, we created an app which was specifically for young adults ages 18 to 25 to connect with each other. Again, to emphasize, we don't provide the actual support. We provide the platform for individuals to connect with each other and share their grief experience. 
So um, we, we started getting inquiries, and, and this has not yet been marketed. This was only internal amongst our community of users. And, and we started getting inquiries from 27-year-olds and 28-year-olds, so we decided, okay, you know what? We're going to follow suit with what the standard is in the industry for grief support centers that serve young adults, and that's 18 to 30. So we're going to increase the age up to 30. So now we have young adults 18 to 30. We were getting inquiries from people that were 32, 34, 36. And, and it was, there were so many we weren't serving because we had a cap. And so we ended up creating a second community for those for over 30. And because we're known as the experts in the field of young adult grief, and we were having professionals contacting us all the time on how to best serve young adults, we created a professionals community. And now we have a community for teens serving, for centers serving teens. So especially because of COVID, um, I would have to say that the app has taken on a life of its own because people want to connect with other people that understand their journey with grief because they have a similar grief experience. And I would also say that um, based on, you know, obviously I, I work in grief. I have lots of clients who were in grief before all that. Um, and what I've noticed is that there's been a uh, a bit of an intensification, I guess I'd say. Um, of course, especially for people I work with who, let's say, lost a spouse and it was the only person they were living with. Mm -hmm. And so, so now they're grieving a spouse alone, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Um, but I think for everyone, there's a little more, uh, a little less escape into the the world uh, for many people more staying home than usual even people who maybe are working outside the home they're not going to bars and parties and you know <laughs> absolutely uh, in many places they're not I don't want to assume that we're all in the same situation on this for sure because um, my show is you know heard worldwide but yeah, where, sure. where I am for sure life is pretty different and yeah. there is a sense of kind of being stuck with grief and having less un less natural outlets, yeah, I guess. Cheryl, we cringe here when we hear social distancing, social distancing. Yes, me too. Because if you think about too. it, it's really not social distancing. It's no. physical distancing. Yes. During Thank you. Time, I've been saying that since this started. During, Please uh, don't uh, use that during, <laughs> during During this time of self-isolation and physical distancing, social connections are crucial, especially during one's grief journey when grief in itself tends to be isolating. These connections can make the difference between a healthy post-bereavement post growth or not. That brings up something, uh, it's time for our break, but when we get back, I wanna talk about the, the uh, name of your organization, Heal Grief. Uh, because I wanted, I want us to talk about how we define heal. Um, given that we both agree, grief is lifelong. So let's talk about that when we come back. 
Listeners, you can find links to my website and social media on the Good Grief page, or you can go to my website, weatheringrief.com. To find Fran Solomon, you can go to healgrief.org. Back after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I've been talking with Fran Solomon about her organization, Heal Grief. And Fran, before the break, I was saying, I really wanted to hear how you define um, healing in grief, uh, since neither of us think that, you know, there's this conclusion point, since, since grief is lifelong. How would, you, how would you talk about the heal part? So the heal, um, I guess it could be subjective, but for us, it's really about a healthy post-bereavement growth. You know, we've heard so much um, in our field about resilience, 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 and that's another word that I cringe over because the mere implication of resilience is like a rubber band. It bounces back to the way things were. Or strength, supreme strength. (laughs) Yes, yes, like I had when I tucked the box up on the shelf. Um, (laughs) Exactly. um, You're so resilient. (laughs) Exactly. Well, no, no, because we know that after a death loss of a significant person in your life, things never bounce back to the way they were. But that doesn't mean we can't actively move forward in our journey with grief. And for me, that's really learning the coping skills and the tools for what I, what, what I refer to as a healthy post-bereavement growth. Mm. You know, that connects for me because, of course, I have people, clients, um, kind of bemoan 
why is this still going on? Why isn't it over? And this not, am I doing it wrong? As if you could actually do it wrong if you're doing it. Yeah. And my my common line back is, as long as you're moving, I'm not concerned. Yeah. Um, so that sort of fits. I mean, I think there is some sense I've become more elastic as I've accepted that grief happens um, mm-hmm. because I can have a hard moment and, and it, I just let it happen. Yes. Um, but that idea that you're kind of, going back to your strength or, you know, um, coming out the same, I, that is not my goal. Yeah, uh, and also, That would be a, a diminished goal, actually, to come out the same. Yeah, for sure. And I really think um, with due respect and, and credit to Elizabeth Kubler's, Kubler-Ross's great work, it was misunderstood and, adopt, and adapted to grief when in fact it was research on those dying. So the five stages of grief that suggest there's a start and an end and all these stages in between that you're supposed to follow is falsely believed to be the end all be all um, of the way a grief experience is to be. And it's not, it's a lifelong journey. I have to tell, I've been telling this story a lot. I've told it on the show before, but I don't mind. I'll tell it as often as I get a chance to. I interviewed her son, Ken Ross. Mm -hmm. And um, I asked him um, why the word stages, because I've read the book on grief, you know, and she didn't think they went in order and, you, you know. And what he told me was when she came to this country, uh, she still was not a uh, a very comfortable English speaker, and she actually went to the dictionary to find a word from her for her book, and the closest she could come up with was stages. Interesting. But that wasn't actually the way that she looked at it. Well, and that's I thought, what we adopted. <laughs> that's what we, you know, the way that things get concretized. Uh, and I think that does fit with this American notion of beginning, middle, and end, and we want to finish and we want to fix. But I thought that was a really great, um, great story for sure. Uh, so that illuminates, uh, we, we have a very similar perspective on what heal means. It means um, come to the place where Grief is kind of integrated into your life. You have a yeah, way, way forward. Yeah, I think it's really important to know we work, because we work with a lot of young adults that are on college campuses, we hear so many stories where there may be a death loss during college and a student is left having to negotiate with each one of their professors for their time off to get to the funeral. And so often, um, and not for everyone, but so often there's such insensitivity with the funeral is on a Saturday, you can take the test on the Monday you get back or turn the paper in the Friday before. And, and we just, it, it's our sense that there's not an understanding, a deep understanding of really what grief means and how intense it can be, especially for those that haven't experienced it, that we actually have a grief sensitive campus initiative that we are working with several universities right now throughout the United States to make them a more grief-sensitive campus for their students and educate their faculty and staff and professors. I, I really think that's important. And then the other thing I certainly don't want 
to let you out of here without talking about a bit is I think there are some, uh, what I observe as, as age differences in grief, for instance, when my wife died, uh, not that many people in our everyday life had had a big loss. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, at 67, nearly everyone I know has, mm-hmm. right? That's a very substantial difference to be in a community of people who get it because they've, had, they've experienced it, right? Yeah. Yes. So this sense of age defined and loss defined uh, virtual support groups. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because hearing from other people that they're having the same experience just seems so vital. I've, I've done cancer support groups for, for a long time, you know, same deal that just hearing, oh, you felt that way, you, you know, it's exactly. crucial. It's so uh, helpful. Exactly. So can and you I'm talk gonna, a bit about that? Yeah, but first I'm going to shock your audience. The research of almost a decade ago, so clearly the stats are higher, um, confirm that one in every three young adult between the age of 18 to 25 is grieving a death loss. That's staggering, isn't it? And we don't know about that because people, especially at that age, aren't raising their hands saying, my mom just died. Or, oh yeah, my mom can't be here because she died two years ago. Right. So the numbers are staggering. So um, I think that was a very important um, uh, uh, statistic to bring to your audience. But for the virtual support group, so first off, again, I want to emphasize that everything on Heal Grief, all of our programs are free of charge. Um, For those that register for the AMF app, whether it is the young adult group or the over 30 group, Um, We offer resources, um, uh, bereavement care specialists that monitor uh, post boards, a community for others to uh, connect, and we also offer um, support groups. We actually prefer for our young adults to call them virtual conversations, because although they're facilitated, it's really them connecting with each other sharing from their own perspective, their experience. And then the conversation just begins to flow with, oh my God, you experienced that too? Or yeah, I can really relate to that. Or, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. The magic of this peer-to-peer connectivity through these virtual support conversations is just, we, we see the weight the, the burden as they come into the, the, um, the group and the weight that just seems to lift an hour to an hour and a half later after they realize, wow, I wasn't alone in this. I am normal. I, 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 others get me. It's pretty miraculous. And so are, are they... Are they uh... You know, I'm thinking about, um, I think it's called Death Over Dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's also a young, yes, a young person's. I don't know how they're doing it right now. <laughs> it may be virtual dinner, but um, it's just uh, bringing a bunch of, bringing a, a group of people together to talk. But I know they do have some training for the person who's mm-hmm. gathering the people mm-hmm. together. Yes. Um, is there someone in your groups who kind of, has the lookout for it 
uh, being a, a an environment that um, doesn't uh, yes, the answer I, is yes. I don't know how to put there, it. The, you know. the answer is yes. There are always two facilitators to every group because we want to ensure the integrity of the conversation um, and that everything stays on point, that everybody speaks from their own personal experience and not be judgmental. You know, we all come from different backgrounds, different religions, different experiences. And so we really ask and and just ensure that everybody is speaking from their own perspective and experience. I, I think that's so important, having watched what happens in groups when there aren't those kinds of shared assumptions, um, whether it's in person or virtually, um, it can really bog things down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's why we always have two facilitators um, in our groups and um, we're expanding them all the time. And again, they are available free of charge to all of our app members. How do people find you, do you think? So right now we've been very organic. Um, it's coming to our website, it's through our social media. Um, we have two social media venues. One is the Heal Grief platform um, for Facebook and Instagram, so on and so forth. The other is literally actively moving forward. Um, so people can find us there. Um, but right now it's, it's been organic. We're, we're hopeful that we'll be able to do some real marketing in the near future to really be able to reach those that are in need of us and don't know that we exist. And then at the same time, I want to say that that word organic uh, comes up a lot in this show that um, there's... There's sort of, uh, I think, something that happens when uh, people are working in a, in a grief space, as it were, where uh, one thing sort of leads to another instead of uh, a more head-based planning out. You know, you mm -hmm. figure out what is next and then you do that. And um, what you're saying sort of fits with that conception I have that... that um, we're all sort of using the Braille method a little bit, you know, yeah, feeling our way space, along. And in this space, we're mostly nonprofit. So, you know, right. that's, where, that's where the word, I think, organic really stems from. Maybe no so. More, no Maybe so. Budget. Especially with you, because you brought all your vast experience in marketing into this space, which, of course, I had not at all. So <laughs> I just felt a need to do what I felt a need to do, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been really great to have you, and um, I hope people will go to Heal Grief because to have a place where there are a lot of resources, and especially right now that don't um, involve cost, uh, just seems really vital, and um, may there be many of them so that everyone finds a place, right, <laughs> that, that um, resonates. We so thanks so much. Thank being you. Here. We, we cease to exist if we can't serve those in need. And thank you so much for having me. This Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and people out there, go to healgrief.org to find out more about all the programs we mentioned today. Next week, I'll have Dina Taylor back to talk about her book, which is now, it was a manuscript when she came on first, and now it is a book out in the world, I Don't Want to Be Pink. 
This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.